Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Nothing But Locks podcast. I'm your host, Ali Melniki, accompanied by my favorite co-worker, Robert Kowalski. How are you doing today, Robert? Ali, I'm doing great. Thanks so much. All right, we got a lot to dive into with these uh, NBA conference finals. So let's start in the Eastern Conference Finals since we do have Game 5 tonight. Series is tied 2-2. Two to two. I kind of figured it would be tied at 2 at this point. I think my prediction was Celtics and 6. So I definitely can see the Celtics winning the next two games. What about you, Robert? What do you think? Yeah, my my mind was made up before the series began as well. Uh, and, you know, it took a little bit for, for the teams to kind of get to know each other's tendencies. You know, tape can do so much. Uh, but as it's playing itself out, uh, it's, it's really, really showing just how great a defense the Boston Celtics have. I, I do believe that the Celtics will win the series as well. Yeah, and we both agreed last week before game one, we both liked Miami to cover, you know, Boston coming off that seven game series with Milwaukee and then Boston bounced right back in game two. You and I were both all over that one. I know that for a fact. That was just for me, that was easy money. Game three kind of perplexed me a little bit because Boston just didn't come out. They didn't look tight enough. I don't know what was wrong with them, but they bounced back again in game four. So we have game five tonight, and I—I I mean, I think that I read that—is it are the Heat favored uh, minus one and a half? Is that it? Oh no! As a matter of fact, uh, the Celtics opened as a one-point favorite ah, uh, for tonight's right. game, and it's gone from one to one and a half, and it's just been climbing the ladder to two, two and a half. And yeah. there's a shop now that has the Celtics as a three-point favorite for tonight's game. Yeah, that high. And I'm all over the Celtics for this one as well. But what really stood out for me, you know, if we are going to break down the spreads and the money line is actually the total. And when I saw the total today, last time I looked at it was this morning and it was 203. I was like, wow, Vegas is just begging you to take that over. (laughs) So what are your thoughts on that one, Robert? Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, it's 204, some in some places, 203 and a half. It's as low as I've I've seen any of the playoff games this year, but I mean the, the Heat, the Heat are in the mud right now. It's just it, in the last game they shot thirty nine point seven percent from you know, from the field, twenty three point five percent from three point land. By the way, that's the Celtics, yeah. <laughs> and they still ended up winning. But I mean, look, the, the Heat had eighteen points from their starting five. It, it just looked like everything went the Celtics way from the first 12 minutes on. I don't know. I, I don't see how Bam Adebayo fits as a starter right now. Right. Uh, Victor Oladipo, his inability to finish at the rim. It's startling. It really is. As much as it looks like he's, you know, like returned. I just think his athleticism's just, like, it's really apparent how diminished it is. When he's trying to finish at the rim, Ali, I, yeah, I just watched it time and time again. I just said, I, they're just not hitting the rim anymore, and they're taking bad twos. Not like you know attempts at a dunk. They're not even taking twelve footers. They're taking like you know just a few feet inside from three, and and that's the worst possible two you can take. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you might as well take a three at that point. It's funny because I remember Monday night I was sitting outside with my dad, and we had a few. Uh, minutes before the Celtics game was starting. And then I kind of lost track of time and I saw it already started. So I was like, oh, it's all right. We could wait. And then I remember looking at my phone. And I think there was like maybe four or five minutes left in the first quarter. I'm like, dad, 
the Heat have one point through eight minutes one. of this game. Yeah. I was, yeah. my dad had a like double take. It was like, what are they doing? And then we went outside and we turned on the game. And even with the Celtics, I mean, the Celtics had a sizable lead, but it just seemed like two teams just throwing up bricks one after another that I was like, I don't know what I'm watching. This can't be the NBA. Can it be? Yes, absolutely. And I, and Ali, you, you hit it right on the head with, I mean, again, back, back to game five on Monday night, I, I think, I, I think I've, well, it can't just be me. I, I think the entire Celtics team has finally exposed the Miami heat. Yep. Max Struess, you, sir, you were put on 10 screens. Okay. <laughs> if yeah. you're put on 10 screens, the next closest starter was put on three. So what, what's happening is that they're just simply attacking him right from the three point line and on. And, and he just simply is, is hopeless when it comes to playing D. Now on the other side, you know, it's, it's Robert Williams, the third, who's just simply taken. He's basically said, look, this is my paint. You're not coming into it. You're not, you're going to take, a three and you'll probably not hit it. Uh, no hero. Um, it just, it just looked like it was going to be one bad two after another. So the heat currently have uh, this, this long two attempt rate. It's 28% right now that they're just taking long twos. And that's the second highest long two attempt rate of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they average 14%. So this game is double their average. And it's just, it, you could see why, I guess we could talk about why every game is becoming a blowout, but honestly, I just think that right now the Miami heat really won't have any answers left for whatever's left of this, this series alley. Yeah. And I do want to get into the blowout factor because it's just been ridiculous, at least this postseason, the amount of blowouts that we're seeing, but the Miami heat, I don't know if you give credit to the Celtics defense or the fact, like you said, like they're just not putting up good shots. Because Marcus Smart was still out for the Celtics. He didn't play on the game on Monday. And the Celtics, one thing I'll give them credit for, and I said it in last week's episode, was they're the best at finding an opponent's strength and totally exposing it. And last week, all we heard about, at least through the first two games, was Jimmy Butler, postseason superstar, this and that. And the guys failed to score double digits in back-to-back games. Now, I won't take too much away from game three because they were winning that one by a sizable amount. But game four, he just did not show up for the whole game. And I think that's the – I have to give credit to the Celtics coaching staff that they were able to come out and really isolate him and take away his shots. And they've seemed to expose him on defense too. Now, I'm not giving the Celtics too much credit because they still struggled from both the three-point line and from the field. But at least the Celtics are good at finding that strength on their opponent and exposing it. So what do you think about that? Look, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right, Alec. Tyler Hero, he's still questionable. His, his groin's still not 100%. So who knows if, if he comes back, at what condition he's going to come back. Kyle Lowry's still hurt. His hamstring's still pulled. And then we really have to discuss whether or not Butler is still – I mean – he says he's healthy, right? Of course he is. He's out there playing, but your knee, your, you need your knees, Allie. <laughs> you need your knees to have any kind of explosiveness. So if they're shutting off the paint, right? So he can't drive to the basket because they're simply telling him, this is not going to be open for you. 
Robert Williams III saying, you're not allowed to go in here. You'll get blocked. You'll have to put up a really bad shot. And, and that, that's just going to be the answer to that. So, okay, uh, go from the outside then. Well, again, you need your knees to set your shot. Butler and Hero, they're two for 21 from three-point land in this series. So they can't hit that. They can't drive to the basket. They're only having one day off, uh, you know, especially in between travel days. That's not ideal for the conference finals, especially for the Heat. And again, then that's why we see the total of, you know, 203 and actually it's 204. It's the lowest of the series. Yeah. So that's a great segue because I do want to bring in the blowouts. And I mentioned this, I forget if it was last week, the week before on the episode, but I just can't fathom all these games that I'm watching where, and it, it happens in the Mavericks and the Warriors too, just these teams just throwing up bricks from the three-point line. And I told you, my dad even said the same thing. He's like, does anyone drive to the basket anymore? Does anyone, you know, know how to swerve in and out, take a nice jump, jump shot fadeaway? Because all I'm seeing is just three-point miss after three-point miss. So I don't know what you do about that. I don't know if it's on the coaches for not getting on their teams. Like, hey, guys, we're cold from the three. Let's run some plays. Like, let's bring it into the basket. Let's try to draw some fouls. But what are you seeing, Robert? No, that's exactly it. It's it's make or miss, and then that's that's the way the league is. You know, well, we could touch a little bit about the same exact thing and the game plan that the Golden State Warriors tee up every single night. It's it's a hybrid of that. Uh, but what they're doing is, you know, they're they're using the three uh, as a mechanism to open up the inside lane. So they're, you know, we'll talk about the Western Conference Finals in a bit and, and how they've been able to expose Dallas. But in, in the case of, of Miami, they're, they're a broken team. I, I, I mean, you just look at their injury report, and these aren't, you know, small little injuries. We have hamstrings. We, P.J. Tucker's, his knee, he's probable. Kyle Lowry's, his hamstring. And this, this is all injuries that just, you just atrophy. Your body simply can't go through an entire regular season and then only get a day's worth of rest as you travel, you know, from Boston to Miami in hopes that you come back tonight, uh, you know, and you're perfectly healthy. I, I just don't think that there's some magical elixir that allows you to just get your legs back that quickly. And, and Boston knows this and, and they're still going to stick with this game plan. They're still going to let you go ahead and take these bad outside uh, low percentage two-point shots. It's just going to lead to uh, a, a large rebound, huge transition, easy scores at the other end. And that's how you, you and I both were scratching our heads saying, you know, WTF, how do you only have one point with four minutes left in the first? Yeah. Yeah. It's like these teams are just becoming too one-dimensional. And it was like the Warriors were the first of the team. You know, we saw when they first came out explosive, I think it was back in 2015 when they won their first championship. But with Clay Thompson and Steph Curry, like the Splash Brothers, they just threw up threes and sunk them. And teams started to, I feel like that was when really teams started to focus on putting up more threes, you know, avoiding the injuries by driving to the basket. But it reminds me kind of of the NFL when they first started running the Wildcat offense. And the Wildcat, it was fun. It was a cool trick play at first. But then it was like we saw enough of it. And I don't even think anyone really runs it anymore. Because it just, it, it fails. It's not a long-term solution. And I feel like that's what we're seeing right now in the NBA playoffs, that 
this three point game isn't a long term solution because when one player is cold and two players cold and your games uh, live or die by the three, you're not winning this game. I don't care if you have Luca. I don't care if you have Steph. I don't care if you have Giannis. You're not winning if your game just relies on three point plays, because when you do get cold, you're cold. And that's what we saw in the heat the other night. What do you think, Robert? Yeah, no, absolutely right. And, and so this is the thing, right? If you're doing very well, if, if, you're, if you're really clicking from three and you're hitting 38% of your three-pointers, some teams might say, you know what? Go ahead. Take all the threes you want. Take 53 pointers if you want. Let's say you hit 30% of those. Well, we still need to basically score 105, 110 to win a playoff game. So those threes, if you have them take nothing but threes, those misses will end up becoming really easy transition baskets down the other way. Yeah. And so you have to make a decision on whether or not you want to give up the three, in which case is what the Celtics are doing. They're realizing that, no, they, they don't have it. They simply won't be able to, you know, to get three pointers made consistently uh, and will shut off everything that is not a three. Uh, it, that's how we get to the blowout. Again, lots of threes, lots of misses, especially in Miami's uh, in, you know, case right here. Transition baskets the other way, and that's how you get to a, a really huge, huge deficit really early. Yeah, and we always see that with teams during March Madness. You know, you always have like an Auburn or a Tennessee where they can shoot threes like no, no tomorrow, but they have that one game where they're just cold from the three and then they're out in the second round. And that's really not a way for me that you're going to win consistently a basketball game. If you have no inside game and conversely, that's kind of how we saw the bucks falter because they had the inside game with Giannis. They didn't have the outside game. Once Middleton went out with an injury and drew holiday wasn't there to sustain. So I think, you know, it's just common basketball. You need a good, a good inside game and you need a good outside game. And right now we're just seeing these teams, just play outside basketball. And even, even in transition, I mean, I was seeing, you know, Tatum get the ball and then just pull up and take a three and miss it. Same thing the other way, you know, whether it was all the depot or Butler or someone else. And I'm like, man, they just don't like, if you're going to pull up, run a play, don't just throw up these bricks, you know, even Steph Curry. And we'll get again to the Western conference finals later. It's like, I don't know. To me, it's just not entertaining basketball. And I do speak with plenty of diehard NBA fans that are more diehard than me. Cause you know me, I love my college basketball, NBA secondary basketball for me, but even they're frustrated. Like, what is this product we're watching? Like these are the Western conference and Eastern conference finals. And we're watching 20, 30 point blowouts by halftime, by halftime, not even the game. Like that, it isn't even like a fourth quarter gone awry. Like this is by halftime. There's a 25 point deficit. Like I, I can tell you, there's been plenty of games, including the one the other night against the Celtics and the Heat, where by halftime, I was just like, I don't, you know, it's a 25 point lead. I don't want to watch the second half. So I don't know, Robert, what do you think could be done to, to savor, you know, this basketball problem? Well, out, out in the Western Conference, nothing. <laughs> uh, because, by the way, Golden State's only going to get better next year. They got Wiseman coming back next yeah. year. So they're only going to get better. Uh, and that's their game. And they've dominated for damn nearly a decade uh you know in the playoffs and and this is just you know as as long as you have that that rotation that the golden state warriors have i i honestly don't think that there's anyone that can match them i mean remember the days when we actually were talking about the phoenix suns being like 
a real terror to win the West. Yeah, yeah that's that's old news. Utah, you blew them off. I completely disagreed, and I was dead wrong. They're no good. Dallas, well, Dallas is, you know, they're the ones that are here now in the Western Conference. I mean, they won yesterday, uh, but I, I just don't know if there's anything that's going to change because, Ali, Golden State figured it out. They, they realized that this is just on math alone. The, the best shot to take is that corner three. And everyone's figured it out, and they're like, okay, well, we're just going to need everyone to take threes, including our centers. If you can't hit a three, you're not going to play. And it started to develop into the college game. You could see it. You know, now we've got, you know, you know, kids playing that are, you know, six nine, six ten, seven feet, seven one. Yeah, no, no problem. Pull up from the outside, hit a three. So it, it's just, it's the way this game is going to be played now. I, I don't know what the next evolution of the game is going to be uh but i guess you're just gonna have to like it <laughs> yeah and i remember a few weeks ago you know my dad saying yeah they need to just get rid of the three-point line they need to get rid of the three-point line and let's be honest you're not going to get rid of the three-point line like there's no way no one will ever vote for that no one i don't necessarily agree with it but you know the more you watch these games it's like yeah get rid of the three-point line let's see like actual basketball let's see an actual play run but i remember i forget if it was on twitter the other day or something seeing a stat of like how many threes draymond green has in his career in, in the playoffs and he has more makes than like michael jordan and i'm like yeah well you know jordan played in an era where they weren't putting up you know 40 plus threes per team per night like it's a totally different basketball game but I don't want to spend too much time on it because I don't have the answer. I know that we probably won't see an answer for a few years. It's just going to have to evolve and every sport does evolve. But before we move on to the Western conference finals, let's talk about current series pricing. Robert, what do we have for the heat and for the Celtics to win the series right now? Now, right now it's, it's on the move. Uh, you know, we, we could talk about zigs and zags, but right now the Celtics are up to a $2 favorite. Uh, to win the series, win the next two out of the three games. So you're laying 200 to win 100, getting paid three. Uh, if you choose the Heat, uh, you're getting plus 175 for every dollar bet. So bet a dollar, get a dollar 75, get paid 275. Out in the West? Yeah, go ahead. Do the West. The Warriors are as high as you can imagine it, uh, up to minus 4,000 to win $100. That pays you only 4,100. Uh, the Mavericks, you could get as high as 15. There's a 16. Uh, there's an 18 to one. There's an 1850. Uh, so bet 100, win 1850. Uh, if you think the Dallas Mavericks could pull off the absolute never been done before, uh, win the series after being down three nothing. Yeah, and I'm not going to take that. <laughs> I know the value you're getting. And I think I read someone, there was a better in Vegas that put $50 to, for the Mavericks to win the Western Conference Finals before game four last night. And he got them at like plus 4,000 odds. But I mean, we talked about it a few episodes ago. There has not been a team in the NBA that's come back from a 3-0 deficit to win the series. I just, as, as great as Luka is, and he hasn't looked that great this series, but, you know, he he doesn't have the team. The Mavericks are not going to beat the Warriors. I said last night I took the Mavericks to cover because I thought it would be a gentleman's sweep. I think the Warriors do win game five. But let's go back to the Celtics and Miami real quick. 
uh, because I do have the Celtics winning in six. Are you staying with that pick? Yeah, I, I do. I do. I feel that they'll probably win tonight and then take the last game at home. Perfect. So now let's officially move on to the Western Conference Finals. And you and I both talked last week how much we love the Mavericks. This is the perfect matchup for the Mavericks. You and I both thought that they would lose game one, you know, coming off that seven game series. And they did. And they lost pretty substantially. But I thought they would bounce back in game two. It looked like they were. And then they blew the lead. Same thing in game three. It looked like they were close. They were closing in. And then the Warriors just pulled away at the end. I mean, Robert, what's been going on with the Mavericks this series? Well, they don't have the interior presence to to play the ball the way it's supposed to be off of off of a rebound. What it looks like to me is that, especially in, in the last, well, actually games two and three, it really, really showed itself. They, the Warriors are starting to really crash the board. And, and in the game uh, previous to last night, uh, they crashed the board 10 times offensively. And they pulled out a rebound 60% of the time. Uh, the nine offensive rebound points that they got while giving up zero in transition the other way, super huge factor. Mm. Right. So you're, you're taking the threes, you're missing them, but then you're crashing the boards on top of that, which of course, as I said, it opens you up to a, a easy transition basket the other way. Uh, it's not happening. So if you're able to you know, hit your threes, okay, great. Now you're, now you're definitely winning. But if you miss them and you're crashing the boards and coming down with the offensive rebound 60% of the time, getting points and still not giving up anything, you don't get the offensive rebound. You're not, I'm telling you, you're not going to lose. So they're so tuned up right now, uh, you know, and I, I really, really appreciate watching them play because it's, it's, it's what the West Coast style that they've put together, we've seen, but now it's probably coming into its absolute most polished form. Uh, again, I, I think the conference finals could benefit from a few more extra rest days. Everyone really starting to look gassed. Uh, you know, but in the second half, you know, on average, they're basically well, Golden State's now 10 and three against the spread in the second half wagering. I think that's pretty impressive. Wow. Yeah. And we saw, especially in the Memphis series, I mean, they would just come back after being down. But, you know, I had the Warriors there originally, you know, when we filled out our brackets before the playoffs started, I have them winning it all. I did foolishly change my mind and pick the, the Mavericks to beat the Warriors in the Western conference finals. And this is why I violated my Cardinal rule, which is never change your first instinct, <laughs> but that just reminded me and reinforced me. But I said it at the beginning of the postseason. I thought the warriors were the most complete team in the Western conference finals. And they have the experience, you know, between Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond green and Kayvon Looney. And now you had like an Andrew Wiggins with them. Yeah, you know, some good bench guys. Otto Porter Jr. was out last game, but Jordan Poole's been just absolutely magnificent off of the bench for them. So they really have the complete team. And you know what? Every night I've noticed when we watch the Warriors play, and this is from the beginning of the playoffs too, Clay Thompson might be having an off night, but there's always someone to pick up the slack, whether it be Jordan Poole or Porter Jr., 
or Andrew Wiggins, you know, someone always picks up the slack. If even if Curry's not making his threes, if Draymond is just being Draymond and getting teed up and getting tossed out, someone steps in to play great defense for them. I mean, I don't think you have a team with more depth in this postseason than the Warriors. Am I wrong? No, no, you're, you're not. And, you know, for, you know, last night, notwithstanding, I, I don't know what, <laughs> what happened there other than uh, I guess I'd have to ask. Well, I mean, look, they, I wonder if they treated last night the Warriors. I wonder if they just treated last night like a regular season tune-up. Uh, you know, Poole, you know, yeah, he, he came in, he played an awful lot, but he looked kind of confused on D. Yeah. Um, Kumiga, Looney, and, and Moody, it looks like they played like four minutes in the entire playoffs together before last night. So they were like really on the floor for a really long time. I don't know. I mean, okay. All right, let's do it. Tin hat time. <laughs> How much is a gate, game five gate worth? <laughs> it's the only reason like why they didn't sweep them. I, that's, like the only thing I could think of is like, ah, let's, let's go ahead and just rest, play the rookies. If we win, great. We, you know, we, we give the rookies some more, some more time. Yeah, but otherwise, uh, let's go ahead and you know, see how much that gate's going to bring in for game number five. Yeah, I mean, you look at it, I mean, yeah, again, to put on the tin hats and do all the conspiracy theories, the Celtics heat, they're definitely heading for six games, maybe seven games. Like, was this for a Warriors team? Maybe like, eh, we don't want to be get too rusty, waiting for them all to finish. Let's just have a game where we experiment, fine-tune this, fine-tune that. I, You know what? I've seen worse things in the NBA before, but you know, let's get another game five. That's more TV ratings for the NBA, more advertising dollars. You know, I don't want to get again too far into the conspiracy theories, but I just had a feeling it was going to be a gentleman's sweep. I do think the Warriors are going to win by a solid amount. I mean, whatever, what's the spread looking at right now for game uh, five? Open, it opened seven and a half and uh, there was a sharp move on that. So it's now Golden State by seven tonight. Yeah, I like Golden State for sure. But yeah, I mean, I think they cover the seven points in game five. There's no way the Mavericks are going to uh, – they played their best ball of the of the conference finals on – when was it? Last night? Yeah, Tuesday night. And they, they're not going to come back out. You know, Luka might be Luka and have another 30, 35-point game. But he just – he doesn't have the consistency behind him. And we've talked about this, not to beat a dead horse, but – you know, Jalen Brunson, he's going to have a nice game here and there. Same with Dorian Finney-Smith. But until Luka gets a solid number two guy, I mean, it's it's good for the Mavericks. I mean, they got to the Western Conference Finals with literally just Luka. Give him a solid number two guy, you know, give him a, a Pippen to Jordan. And they're right back there next year and probably the favorite. What do you think? Yeah, they'll definitely they, they definitely improve. I mean, in, in this series, when uh, – Kerr put Curry on uh, Finney Smith instead of Bullock. It was likely the easiest and yet like most impactful adjustment the Warriors could have made. It's completely changed the way that the Mavericks have had to attack. I mean, look, they're hunting Luka Doncic the whole way. So I I honestly think that they're going to need yet another outside threat. And, you know, it could definitely come. You could come in the draft. It could come, you know, by, by way of trade. Uh, but they'll definitely need to add an additional piece for, for Luka Doncic because, I mean, he's, he's brought him this far. Uh, imagine if he actually has a wingman to go alongside with him. 
Well, yeah, and that's the big thing you see in the past few games. They literally will collapse on Luca. You'll see all five defensive guys just collapse on Luca and leave Finney Smith and Brunson and, you know, whatever, whoever else is in for the Mavericks, whether it be Bertans, whether it be Kleber, whoever, Dinwiddie, whoever. And they let Luca just pass them and they let those guys shoot because, you know, they know – they're not making a three, probably 33. They're making a three, maybe only 30% of the time. And they're there. It's like they did with Giannis, uh, the Celtics last series. It's like, okay, we'll collapse Giannis and let the other guys play. So until you get a solid number two, it's just, it's not the Mavericks year, but I don't want to spend too much more time on this. Cause I think you and I are both in agreement. Warriors are going to win in five. And we already discussed the series pricing, but to go back on the series pricing, since we do both agree the Warriors will be in the finals, let's play Guess the Odds. So, Robert, Warriors versus, let's say, Celtics. I'm thinking to open the series, Warriors minus 175. Well, first off, you know who I chose to win the championship. I know, yeah, oh, I, <laughs> I, I am. I'm actually going to agree with you. I think the Warriors will open up as a favorite. Not that high, however. Okay. Uh, I go Warriors 130. Okay. That, that's, that's fair enough. So then if we had the Warriors for, for Heat, I mean, I think the Warriors are huge favorites if the Heat somehow find a way to beat the Celtics in the next two out of three games. I mean, for that one, I'm thinking – Warriors minus two twenty-five. Close, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm right around there. I, I, I can make them two dollars. So, so okay. Uh, let's let's advocate for the devil. How about I give you Heat plus two hundred? Are you taking them? No, no way. <laughs> no way. Now, now, if you give me Celtics plus two hundred. Ah, no, 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 none of that business. No, no, no. <laughs> I was going to say, then I'll hedge would, my bet on that I one. think people would end up biting at plus 110. Forget about two to one. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's uh, that's just great value. But, yeah, no, even even Celtics, if – listen, I took the Warriors to win it, but I, I – so here, let's talk real quick strategy. Everyone always talks about hedging your bet. And well, before I get into hedging bet, Robert, why don't you tell the listeners who are not familiar with that term, what hedging your bet means? Yeah, to hedge is, is a strategy where if you, uh, you know, buy into a future pool, uh, say, like, like, let's just say you have, you know, the Celtics, which, by the way, I, I just went and took a look at my log. I actually offered up the Celtics back in January at 100 to 1. Wow. So here's a perfect example for the person that has that $20 bet on the Celtics at a hundred to one. I mean, you've invested $20, right? So you've probably forgotten about that 20. Heck, you probably spent you know, $20 on a round of drinks a long time ago. And now you're sitting on you know, a, a nice little win here. Well, to hedge is to guarantee yourself a profit. So if you've already invested $20 and that 20 is going to win you 2000, you probably are in a tough position here because you'd probably look to hedge off. Uh, but honestly, if, if you're looking at the optimal strategy, uh, you have to say to yourself, first off, do I have the right side? Do I have the right side? And if you feel that you have the right side, then you don't do anything. But if you feel that, you know what, this is it. 
I've taken this ticket as far as it possibly can. Let me get some of that back. Uh, then you can begin right now by saying, well, you know, the heat are plus 175. Uh, let me go ahead and I don't know, bet a hundred bucks on them, uh, you know, to win the series. So in case they get bounced, uh, you know, I'll, I'll have a couple of hundred bucks off of it and, and that'll be the end of it. Now, if you're in the finals, that's a whole nother story. Now you could say, okay, well, we've got the Warriors and Celtics. They're minus 130. Really not a good hedging situation, but because you're laying it, of course, you're, you're, if we just talked about uh, the Warriors as being a minus 130 favorite to win the series against the Celtics, you're going to lay, well, okay, now you're talking about, you know, you're getting 2000 on the Celtics for just a $20 bill. Uh, Warriors, I don't know, maybe you bet 390 to win 300. So if the Warriors uh, end up winning the series against the Celtics and win the championship, so your 390 wins you 300, so you'll have a profit of 300 right there. Uh, and then obviously if, if you lose that bet, well, you lost 400, uh, but you got $2,000 because the Celtics ended up winning the championship and your futures bet won. So it's a net-net win. Uh, for, and that's basically the concept of a hedge. You could also do that day to day. Uh, and that's for those that, you know, you place a parlay. So if you go ahead and start the day off with a, a 9.35 a.m. baseball game out here in the West, uh, and, and that leg hits, and then you're to a noon game on the parlay ticket, and that game hits, uh, and now you're at a four o'clock game, and that game hits, and now your last team is a, is a West Coast game that starts at 7.30 or 7 o'clock, uh, and, you know, you're $20 wager is going to win you, let's say, 400. Eh, maybe you take a look at the other side and, you know, bet the other side this way. You know, your adventure doesn't uh, fall short. You actually do end up turning a profit by hedging it. But again, I, I do stress this as, as much as I can. Think about it first. Do you have the right side? If you do, no need to hedge. Yeah, and that's my strategy. I never hedge my bets. I, I, I'll say it right now. I just... And that's where I, I just said my cardinal rule. I don't bet against, you know, my team. And I also don't bet, don't ever switch my pick for me. Hedging your bet is basically, you know, it, it is kind of like the easy way out. I always look at it. I mean, it's not easy. Nothing in betting is easy, but for me, I always want to believe that I had, if I'm going this far, I had the right team. I'm going to ride with them. So, you know, if I had the if I bet the Celtics to win the NBA finals back in January, put 200, put 20 down, you know, you could win at 2000. I'm just, I'm not going to hedge my bet. I'm just going to ride it out and I'm going to win. You know, I'm going to maximize my winnings the best way possible. I have a friend back in uh, Burbank that he's a pro when it comes to hedging his bets. You know, he's just, and I don't have the time to follow all this, but he's just a master at he'll lay a three team parlay. He'll hit the first two. He'll go and hedge his bet for that third game. You know, he'll bet a futures bet he'll go ahead and hedge against those teams. So it's really an interesting strategy to take. Me personally, it's not my favorite strategy. Very few times have I actually went ahead and hedged my bet. And I can tell you didn't end up working out for the team I hedged. I could have won more if I just stuck with my original bet. That's why it's not my personal use. But it is a good strategy if, you know, like you said, like Robert said, you think, okay, Celtics got this far back in January. No one thought they were going to get this far. I think the Warriors will win it. Let me put the money on my Warriors. Then I understand hedging your bet. But I agree with Robert. If you think your team's on the right side, 
stick with your gut. Just stick with your gut and maximize your bets. So thank you, Robert. That was a great explanation. I know a lot of people aren't too familiar with that term, but it's a good strategy to have. So sure, sure. On, but let, let's move on before, because we're running out of time again. And I do want to get to talking about the NHL, but what are we seeing right now for, you know, the final four teams remaining? What team has the best value to get at right now for futures bets to win the NBA finals? So, yeah, right. To take a look at uh, your NBA futures, honestly, uh, you're, you're probably you're looking at a price of about 55 or maybe 60 to one on the Dallas Mavericks. That's your highest point right now. Uh, and the lowest is the Golden State Warriors, at least here on my book. Uh, you're laying 125 to win 100. So they're the prohibitive favorite. Obviously, if uh, the Mavericks are going to be the highest price, uh, then the Warriors are going to be the lowest price. And so there's, there's your margin right there. Um, value, not sure if, uh, you know, I guess it's value if, if you end up, uh, you know, doing the impossible and, and winning the series after being down 3 nothing. Heck, uh, you probably might deserve to get even more than 57 or, or 65 to 1 uh, to win the title. Uh, but that's currently the splits on the futures in the NBA. Yeah. And what are we seeing for our betting trends? I know we, t- I know we talked a lot about it last week and I had a lot of good feedback for it, but what are some of our trends so far in the NBA home teams versus away teams covering and how many overs versus unders do we have hitting? Uh, right. Yes, exactly. So the favorites have improved to five and two, I'm sorry, five and three straight up uh, and against the spread this round. Uh, the favorites totally in the playoffs, uh, they're leading 51 to 26 straight up and 44, 33 against the spread. That's 57.1% overall home teams, five and three straight up and against the spread 48 and 29 straight up, but just 41 and 36 against the spread. That's 53.2%, uh, zigzag, uh, that's betting the team that's down the next game. Uh, meaning the team that lost, then you played them the next game to bounce back. That's improved to four and two against the spread this round uh, and 34 and 29 against the spread overall. Uh, Overs, five and three this round, but unders still lead 46 to 31. That's 59.7% overall this this NBA playoffs. And that's why I'm taking the under tonight. (laughs) (laughs) when i see uh we talked about it a few episodes ago too when i see an under like that 203 i'm just i'm all over the under it's it's what i said vegas is just they're dangling that over for you to take and i'm warning people don't take it go under i know people like to watch point or like to see points scored but you know when it comes to money you rather not see points scored so (laughs) Go with that, but let, let's quickly move on to the NHL because uh, we are running out of time as usual. And we saw the Lightning sweep the Panthers the other day. Both you and I both liked the Lightning last week to beat the Panthers, but I mean, I didn't see a sweep. Did you, Robert? No, 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 absolutely not. Um, I, I, I thought this was going to be a really rough series. Uh, and I thought that the Panthers originally, when they when they teed up against them, I thought that they were going to win the series six or seven games, but they, they were exposed. They were simply exposed. They weren't everything that they showed during the regular season. They just choked away uh, the, the, the entire game plan of them just pummeling 
their opponents with shots on goal uh, and good quality shots on goal, it was they, they just were skating in the clouds. And I don't understand how you can go an entire regular season of absolute domination to just get locked uh, by the Tampa Bay Lightning. But I mean, look, th there's a reason that the Lightning are, you know, as good as they are the last couple of years. Again, def defending two-time Stanley Cup champions. Uh, but they were they were really just exposed. I mean, even on, on the power play, first off, they were really great at drawing power plays. They couldn't do that. And when they were on the power play, they couldn't score. So it, it just really, really it takes any kind of wind out of their sails when you can't uh, you know, complete, even at a 25% clip. Ali, it's, it's looking more and more like absolutely the Lightning should be the favorites to win the Cup once again. You know, and I'm kicking myself because in our, our company, NHL playoff bracket, I did originally have the Lightning getting to the Stanley Cup Finals in the Eastern Conference. I, you know, I was like, I always liked Tampa Bay. I was very confident in them. But I did think that playing the Panthers, they were it was going to go six, seven games. It was going to be a hard-fought, drawn-out series. And I thought then by the time they would have to face the Carolina Hurricanes, it was just going to be a little too much for them. They weren't going to recover. And I switched my pick to Carolina going to the Stanley Cup over Tampa Bay. And now I'm kicking myself because I think whether it's Carolina or the Rangers that get there, uh, that win their semifinals, I think the Lightning just blow by them. And I think, you know, when it gets to the Stanley Cup, whether they face the Colorado Avalanche, which is looking like they probably will face the Colorado Avalanche, because I think that the Avalanche do do away with the Blues. And whether it's Edmonton or Calgary that they face in the finals for the Western Conference, I think that they do beat them. But, man, Avalanche and Lightning, what do you think of that potential Stanley Cup final? I say yes to um... – Yes to the Avalanche. I mean, again, you know, first off, Bennington, uh, the Blues goalie, he's out for the rest of the series. His replacement, uh, Ville Husso, he's, he's allowed at least four goals in four straight yeah. games after earning a shutout win in game one of the first round. Uh, so, honestly, I, I'm, I don't want to talk too much about the West. I think that regardless of who Colorado plays in the next round, uh, they'll go on and win and they'll represent the West and the Stanley cup finals, uh, out in the East. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's a slog fest between who Tampa is going to have to play, uh, whether it's Carolina or the team that plays at Madison square garden, uh, who will not be named. <laughs> uh, they are simply, you know, they're there. These two games that are being played right now, because it's, it's a series is tied to, two. very, very good goaltending. It is just not as much of an offensive kick that you find in some of the other uh, Stanley Cup prohibitive favorites. So uh, Tampa will come as a, as a pretty large favorite. I'm, I'm probably going to guess whether it's uh, New York or Carolina. I think that the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning will probably come as a $2 favorite to win the series and then uh, advance to the Stanley Cup finals. Yeah, and we want to talk about, you know, we were just talking earlier about rest days and really only having one day rest day between all these games in the NBA conference finals. But I mean, if there's a sport that takes its toll on you, it's hockey. I grew up playing hockey. I played it till I was in eighth grade before I went to um, high school and I played with all the boys. I was one of three girls in my, uh, in my league. 
but I mean, that takes a toll on your body like no other. So for Tampa Bay to have, you know, pretty much a week before they play their next game, and we're going to watch Carolina and New York slug it out for minimum two games, probably three games. I think this game, this series goes seven games. I mean, you got to give Tampa Bay the, the biggest advantage in that. So I can't see, I mean, if it's Tampa Bay versus Carolina, I think what Tampa Bay opens as minus two fifty favorite. What are you thinking, Robert? That's um, yeah, I could, I could see that. I, I I'd have to think about like what the buy price would be on the Carolina hurricanes. And, and that's probably as, as good a number as, as, as it can be. You're right. Yeah. So before we wrap up, because we're down to only a few more minutes left, it's always a bummer, but let's talk about betting trends because we did talk about the NBA and I want to let our listeners uh, give them an update for the NHL. So what are we seeing, Robert, for home team versus away teams covering so far this NHL postseason? Yes, yes, absolutely. So the Stanley Cup finals are quickly, quickly getting within uh, a larger, larger view through the periscope. And right now, favorites are improving to 11 and 5 this round. Wow. and are leading 44-23 overall. So you're the favorite, very good chance you're winning the game. Home teams, they lead 10-6 to six in this round, 42-25 and 25 overall. Zigzag on Tuesday, it went 0-2, dropping to 2-6 and six straight up this round and 28-27 overall. Unders, yes, no pucks are hitting the back of that net. Unders lead 11-5 this round, but... Yeah. For the entire playoffs, overs still lead 36-29 with two pushes. That's 55.4% overall, Allie. So it's like you could see the fatigue between both the NHL and the NBA because unders are, you know, last week we were just talking about how overs are hitting, but it seems like unders are the dominant force in the NBA final and a conference finals and the NHL semifinals. Am I right? Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Absolutely. And, you know, I think if you just looked at the last, just looking at the board right now, um, six and a half in St. Louis and in Colorado, I could probably see that number being very close. If I had a lean, I'd probably go over that total only because of the, yes. you know, Huso's just not, he's, he's good to let up four. Uh, so you're, you're clearly, you know, on, on the way right there. And I don't know if, if they're going to be able to keep the game under the total, but uh, Carolina game uh, five and a half to way under minus 35. And then the uh, Edmonton Calgary game is at six and a half, which, you know, that one also could definitely lean towards the under their alley. Yeah. I did actually take the over in tonight's avalanche blues game. Cause like you said, I just think that, you know, the avalanche, they're going to score four or five goals minimum, maybe even more. And I think St. Louis will at least, you know, facing elimination, they'll get a few goals. So I'm all over the over for tonight, but unfortunately we are out of time again but we do have the long holiday weekend coming up and we have some hopefully great basketball games to watch i know you're everyone's like me and hoping for no blowouts in the nba nhl i can't complain because every game has just been so much fun to watch and you know even if hockey even if you see a four to one game chances are it's a hard fought four to one game you know, I, I love hockey and playoff hockey is the best. I keep saying it time and time again, but we will be back next week. We will be talking about the NBA finals, giving you all our in-depth analysis and some stats for your betting needs. And we will be talking about the NHL conference finals once we get to them. So we have a lot to talk about. 
a lot to talk about. And it's a great time of year to watch all these championships happen. So before we go, Robert, any last words? No, without a doubt. Once again, just like every week, you want to go ahead and take a look at these games that you wanted to bet. Get informed. Check Twitter. Check the injury report. And this way you make a far, far more educated bet than you ever can before if you just go ahead and just willy-nilly just start selecting numbers. Awesome. Totally agree, Robert, right there. But we want to thank you guys all for listening in again, and we will see you next week. Take care.